Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians tonight. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament. Written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 18. Then we're going to go back, leave your Bibles open there, and I'll let you be seated in just a minute. And we'll go back to chapter 2 for just a moment. Chapter 5, verse 18. And be not drunk. Say that, please. And be not drunk. And be not drunk. With wine. Wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit. One more time, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Father, may you guide our thoughts and deliberation tonight. May it be exactly what you have us to say. We pray, Father, for the will of God to be accomplished. That's the desire the Apostle Paul had writing the churches in various places, including Ephesus, that they would know the will of God, have better understanding. And Father, I pray that you help us to have better understanding. I sure need your help tonight. Lord, I know I've not arrived in the destination that, that you would have for my life, and I want to have the goal to be better and better. Someday, Lord, I know we'll be perfect when we get to heaven. But until then, would you just help us? We're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. We sure need your help tonight. And I pray we'll glean the truth that we can take to the house and be able to meditate on it. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now take your Bibles and turn back to chapter 2. When you read the book of Ephesians, you find something about the walk of God, the walk with God, and the warfare that we have that he helps us with sort of divided into two sections. One is the walk with God, and the other is the warfare that we have that God helps us with. But I want you to look at chapter 2 and uh, verse 10 for just a minute. Verse 10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I mean, you are not junk. You are somebody. I remember years ago on television, there was a black lady who used to sing a song, or before she sung this song, she would say, God, don't make any junk. And we're children of God. We're VIPs. Now, it's not because of us, because of Him. And He is our Father. Have you talked to the Father this morning? I was sort of trying to talk to Him as I got dressed this morning. I don't get full, full capacity until I get around a little bit and stir around after I answer and answer all of her questions, which she asked me when I get up. And she knows it well. I grunt. And so, mm, yes. She said, do you know what I asked you? I said, I have no clue. To put my hearing aids in, then I hear it halfway. But uh, God's our Father, but He also needs to be talked to. But I was in the shower talking to God. By the way, you can talk to God anywhere. And it's, no, it's not off limits for me to be in the shower. God's the Creator and the Maker of man. And, uh, and just talk to God and say, Father, I'm sure I need you. Thank you for being able to take a shower. Uh, thank you for the water. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the health and strength that you give us from day to day. Verse 10 says, We are His workmanship and created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. Then turn over to chapter 10, chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. What does Paul say he was? Beseech or plead or beg you that you what? Walk worthy of the vocation. That's not vacation, that's vocation. 
walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. So he says, I want you to walk worthy. Let's turn over another page. Now let's go down to chapter 4 and verse verse 18. No, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth do what? Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity or the emptiness of their mind. He wants us to walk right. And then chapter 5, verse 1, verse 2, let's read verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and what? Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's a beautiful verse. Then skip down to verse 8. For we are sometimes in darkness, or sometimes darkness we were, but now are ye light in the Lord. What's the rest of it? Walk is sure the light. Down in verse 15. See then that ye what? Circumspectly, with wisdom, with prudence, with being able to understand better, not as fools, but as wise. Years ago, I remember hearing a preacher talk about what he prayed for every day. And he listed several things, but he said, every day I pray for the power of God in my life. It's a good thing to pray for. That goes with Ephesians 5.18 about the power of God being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I'll get there in just a minute, and we'll try to finish this lesson up. He said, number two, I pray for the wisdom of God every day. If any man lack wisdom, may ask of God, who give the liberty, and breatheth not. He doesn't get upset. You can ask him over and over, Lord, I sure need wisdom. Now, if you don't need wisdom, you're in a class by yourself. Most of us are ignorant. And I say that respectively. We don't know what we ought to know sometimes. But better than knowing what you want to know, you need to know who you know. And he's the one the source of all wisdom. And reading the book of Proverbs, you get a lot of gleanings of that, other books of the Bible. But he talks us to walk in wisdom, uh, walk with walk with circumspectly, walk right, walk in the right direction. And uh, it's great to know. And how important it is to get ready for the warfare. In chapter 6, you find that intensified. But several verses throughout the book of Ephesians talks about the walk with God. Now back to, back to verse 18, chapter 5. And be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That is a command, number one. It is a command of God that we walk circumspectly. It is a command of God that we walk as He walks. He says, follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said in other places. But be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. He's our Heavenly Father. I've been talking about resident and president. He is the resident in our life. I review just about five minutes. Number one, it is a command of God for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. Everybody ought to pray for this filling of the Holy Spirit. Power of God, wisdom of God, and direction for the day. Asking God for compassion was the other thing the preacher prayed for. God, give me compassion. Help me to see folks through the eyes of my Savior. How would he react to people as he saw them? Sometimes we get a little hardened about things and sort of get sort of rough around the edges. God has to knock those things off. And that usually comes about through prayer and Bible study where God can sort of clean your plow every once in a while. I know I need that just to remind me, O Lord, of who I am and what my purpose is to walk worthy of the vocation where I'm being called. I've got to be reminded because the devil wants to play games with my mind. This is the theater right here upon which your life is lived. 
And God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but gave, he gave his very life for us. And he wants us to be like him. And so to be like him, we need the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to go away. But I'll come and I'm going to send he who is able to be just like I am. He's going to be just like I am in your presence. The Holy Spirit is like Jesus living in us, and He really is in the person of the Holy Spirit. Number one, in the outline I gave, uh, introduction was a command. Number one, I outline what is the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer. Number one, being born of the Spirit. More of an that I say unto you must be born again, and born of the water and of the Spirit, so says John 3. Number one, you'll be born of the Spirit. Number two, every believer is assured by the Holy Spirit, Romans eight sixteen, we he, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Are you a child of God now? Are you really glad you are a child of God? Aren't you glad He's the Father? And aren't you glad He's in control? And we ought to be more thankful for the Father. Well, you say, how about the Son? Let's be more thankful for the Son. Or let's be more thankful for the Holy Spirit. The one that's neglected the most of the Godhead is probably the Holy Spirit. The third member of the God of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost. And sometimes we forget what the job is, the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, God's everywhere, but the Holy Spirit comes well in Christians' life, and our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Every believer, number three, is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. Sealed is a legal mark where he claims ownership of us. It's like the down payment. It's like an engagement ring that you give your wife, give your wife to be. It's a guarantee. I want to marry you. Sort of a sort of a seal of that. And uh, I just did, did a study briefly on the life of Joseph. One of the great characters in the Bible is Joseph, who was spouse to Mary Ruth. I don't know Ruth, but Mary, and uh, I had Ruth on my mind after God preached that sermon. But uh, he was one of the outstanding characters in the whole Christmas story. I mean, you, you talk about a man who took on a lot of responsibility and a lot of ridicule and a lot of things, wondering what's going on here. And, of course, I'm glad the angel came and talked to Joseph and gave him assurance. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to live on the inside to help us know that we're on the winning side. He gives the down payment and the earnest, we call it, the earnest money. Number four, every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and Romans 8.9. And I said that last week. And then the resident, he resides in us and he wants to preside in us. The resident wants to become the president. He's the CEO of our life. We get directions from the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us to help us. And he said he will teach you all things you need to know. He will talk of me. The Holy Spirit never magnifies himself. He magnifies the Lord. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto, my, unto myself in John chapter 3. So the Holy Spirit's ministry is to convict and convince and convert folks and to teach them the way and teach them the things that Jesus taught his disciples. Lo, I am with you all the way, even in the world. And I'll come, he'll come and teach you all things that you need to know. And may God help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. But number two in the outline, not only our relationship with the Holy Spirit, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? I sort of left off with that, and I'm going to add to that tonight. The filling of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I said it was a command. I said it was a what? Amen. So it's not optional. What I'm talking about is not optional. It's not optional for me. It's not optional for you. You say, but I'm not a preacher. Are you a child of God? He's your Heavenly Father. 
He said, I'll send one like unto me, like I am, and he'll take his abode up in, in you and give you power. But ye shall receive power or authority after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. So it comes to bear in our minds that somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit needs to control us. So to be filled means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And I mentioned we need to open up every room of our life and say, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome. Is this little sign still up here? Somebody, can you read it from back there? Can you read it? What does it say? Does it say the Holy Spirit is welcome here? Is that what it says? Is He? Or do we grieve Him? Do we resist Him? Do sometimes we hurt the Holy Spirit? You know, sometimes God moves on us and works in our life. Just to testify sometimes needs to be done. Just because it used to be folks said, if I don't testify, I'm going to bust. You know, if you ever heard somebody say that? I've got to, I've got to testify. I just got to say something about how good God is. Not bring all your burdens and problems to the testimony. It's not that. You take that in prayer. But in praise time, you're bragging on Jesus. Boy, he's good. He's great. The more you praise him, the less your burdens seem. Now, they're still there, but I'm glad he's the great burden bearer. He said, I'll go with you all the way, even to the end of this world. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Those promises of God over and over and over and over again in the Word of God, no matter how bad it gets. And the world will get worse and worse. And iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. It shall wax worse and worse. But I'm coming. Just cheer up. I'm coming. Everything's all right. I got it right under my eyeball. I know exactly what's going to happen next. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I want to try to get my prophecy right. Trying to understand best I can. I trust I am right theologically. But if I miss it, the most important thing is that He comes again. And I'm grateful for that. And so the filling of the Holy Spirit is letting every room in your house be open to the Holy Spirit. And I talked about your study room. What you study, what you read most is what you are. That includes the Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that is not to be ashamed right to divide the word of truth. He wants us to study the word of God. And when Paul was in prison, he told, it was a Timothy, or thank you, Timothy, bring the parchments. I want you to bring the, bring the Bible to me. Bring the Word of God to me, along with other books. And other books can help us. And I'm a great avid believer in reading as much as possibly can. What do you read? If I, could, I could judge your life if I had a mind to, and you could judge mine, but what I read regularly. If you read modern romance, love story, soap operas, that's what you think about. Amen. If you read Field and Stream and you read Papa Mechanics more than you do the Word of God, there's probably some areas of concern there. I like all kinds of stuff, and I have to be careful. I don't get away from the Bible. I've got to go back to the Bible over and over again. The greatest interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. Now, you can glean the truth from other preachers and other teachers and other people. We do that all the time. Uh, all of us are privileged to have access to the greatest preachers to ever preach in this world. They're not, they're not infallible, though. And if it contradicts the Word of God, you take what God says over the greatest preachers that's ever preached in this world. But you can learn from other men and other folks who teach us and instruct us in the Word of God. But we, what's your study room like? What's your storage room like? What are you storing in your heart? you have any bitterness? Anybody here don't like me tonight? I don't like you either, so let's just get on with it. We'll go outside and settle if you want to. Now, sometimes you feel like that. I usually tell somebody, I said, I could whip you on a good day. This is just not a good day. And I win most of my physical battles with my feet probably by running the other way. 
but I'm not just going to let you beat me to a pulp for no reason at all. I think I'll probably fight back as best I could. But what do I store in my heart? Bitterness, jealousy, revenge. I, I, I hope they get theirs. That's good Christianity. Walk as he walked. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Be angry and sin not. All the things that we talk about in the Scripture, all the commands that are given to us in the New Testament of how we're supposed to live. And I, I need a lot of help. How about you? I mean, sometimes you get so angry you could bite nails. Been there? Mama used to say, count to ten before you say anything. I got to ten then still said something. Usually by the time you get to ten, maybe you cool down a little bit. But our human nature goes against the teachings of God. <clears throat> the flesh lusts against the flesh, against the, against the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's where I'm shooting to get to tonight, if the time would permit, is the pride of life. That's the real buzzsaw in a Christian's life. And don't sit here and think you don't have pride. All of us have it to, to, to a large degree or to a small degree. And sometimes there's signs to know if you've got pride in your life. Somebody says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm probably the humblest person in this church. You've got pride. I never have a trouble with pride. You've got problems. Because we're all... We're, how many of you are human tonight? Raise your hand. All right. Don't get too filled in your own goodness and how great you are. The Lord has a way of knocking you down to size when you sometimes think you are it. I am not it. I'm a child of God. I have access to the great throne of heaven, the great grace of God. And he's got, a, he's got a, uh, an altar that I can go to regularly, spiritually speaking, and I'm glad for that. So, how's your storage life? Number three, what's your styles like? What do you dress? Your wardrobe, what do you wear? You dress for Jesus, how, how he looks. How, how, did you, how Does this look all right, Lord, today to go out in the public? I'm representing you. You'll be very careful, be very investigative and be contemplating about what you wear out in public. You know, I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't go out in my, my underwear, but a lot of folks go to the beach in their underwear. <laughs> Ain't much difference. Right. It's a real problem. I've been there, done that, done that, been there a lot of time. Sometimes we dress, sometimes God probably displeased with us. You think about it. Well, then there's the social room. What do you enjoy for entertainment? Matthew 5, 12 talks about our life and what we're supposed to have treasures in heaven and have, let me turn there and read it and be sure I get it right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. That's in the New Testament. I usually put paper clips. Chapter 5, come up to chapter 4. And chapter 5 and verse 12. There it is in my Bible. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt have lost its savor wherewith shall it be salted. It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the light of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. We're with a witness for the Lord. Everywhere we go, we reckon we represent Him. And so what's your entertainment that fills your life? Sometimes we find out we forget where the light and salt need to be reminded of it. Let your light so shine before who? <clears throat> who are you supposed to let your light shine before? Why? 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good what? Works and what? I am created unto good works. Ephesians 2 says, I've been saved by the grace of God, created unto good works, so I'm supposed to have good works in my life. Work, walk circumspectively. I'm supposed to walk right, talk right, live right, so I can die right. And somewhere along the way, we all falter and fail. You ever made Jesus ashamed? You ever done anything that you said, my soul, if the Lord was here, would I have done that? That's a good question to ask because oftentimes we're guilty saying things, doing things, we would be embarrassed if the Lord Jesus was with us. And may I remind you, He is. He is. Well, I don't see Him. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. He's great. He's all-seeing eye. He reminds you. And I was telling the chapel today, if, you, if you're saved, and most of the student body raise their hand, they, they've been saved and know the Lord trusts they are. We're concerned about young people making decisions for Christ, and then down the road it turns sour, turns south. What happened? I'm not saying they weren't saved, but something got wrong. And it could be they didn't get saved. They may just pot a pot of the prayer, and maybe we told them, now you go to heaven now because you made a prayer. You don't go to heaven saying a prayer. You go to heaven when you realize you're a sinner in need of Christ. And the Holy Spirit, His job is to convict them, young or old, that they're a sinner. So we dwelt with that today somewhat. And uh, most of their hands went up, and I'm grateful for that. But I, I shared with them the tragedy that Mark Lancaster had in his own life. And uh, he put it on Facebook today. He hadn't seen his daughter in nine years. We talked for about an hour the other night after church about his situation. He cried. She cried. You, th- you think about it, a girl who went to Christian school, entered Crown College, was on her way to be a successful young lady, but she turned away from all of it. Been gone nine years. They have not seen her or heard from her. You talk about a heartache. But that's become a part of his ministry to minister to the rest of us who have similar situations. Sometimes we think we all got it together. Most of us got to realize there's something in our life that burdens us and bothers us. Sometimes putting your finger on what happened, it's hard to do. The devil's still real. And I, I would say this often. Solomon wrote the book on child rearing, but his didn't turn out too good. And, when you, and if you want to go even farther back, Adam and Eve had some sons, and one of them didn't turn out too good. There was a perfect environment there for a while. And they had direct, direct revelation from God himself. God come walking in the cool of the day and talk to Adam and Eve. And they knew the mind of God, the heart of God, the plan of God, the Word of God. And yet their boy, when the sin entered, captivated one of them more than the other one. It wasn't that both of them were not sinners. One just went the wrong direction. He lived, had to live in the land of Nod. And uh, Mark was placed upon him everywhere he went. You can't kill him because I put a mark on him. Because he thought, surely somebody will kill me. But God put a mark on him. Whatever that mark was, it was a mark that they recognized that he was something special, maybe in a negative way, something he did, don't touch him. He had to reap it the rest of his life, however long that was. But the fact is, all of us have difficulties in our families, and sometimes we just need to pray for each other. We don't need to be so condemning. I've heard preachers say, well, if you do it right, it all turn out right. Well, we'll leave it, rest it up to God how it turns out. Because I've, I've seen, we had a man in one time years ago, he had five kids and talked on parenting and did a good job. Three of them turned out great. Two of them turned out bad. Why, why is that? Same family, same place, same, same principles, same habits. 
you know, I can't say what causes it, except there is a devil, and he wants people to sin and ruin and wreck their lives. And young people are no different than anybody else. They need to be in, in, around the Word of God, in the Word of God over and over again, and be there when they start faltering and failing. Every kid I know falters and fails, and every kid I know lies. Every one of them. My kid never lies, somebody says. Well, you've got your head in the sand. Every kid's a liar. We're born that way, born lying as soon as we come out of the womb. Babies are such liars. You don't want to beat them to death, but I think John O'Reilly said, what you do with a boy when he's born, you spank him as soon as he gets home from the hospital. If it's a girl, wait three days, whichever the case may be, but all of them probably need a spanking. They really, they play parents. Kids are master of manipulating parents. They're crying for something all the time. And once you hold them, they just quit. <laughs> you lay them down. Ah! You pick them back up. And they, it's all right when you're holding them. And then they got you all to see when you go to bed at night and they start screaming for milk or something, water. Bring me a glass of water. So you get up out of your bed, you come to bed and take them a glass of water or something to drink. Now get down late and go to sleep. They lay down a few minutes, they cry again. And they want to drink a water. So you get up again. Now, is this enough water? You're going to float to bed tonight. Now, this is all you're going to drink. And lay back down. They cry again and want some water. And said, I'm not bringing you no water. They said, well, why are you coming? Would you bring some? <laughs> Will you still bring me some water? And the you know, kids are a master at deception because the devil's real. Do you hear that? Don't let the devil play numbers on our mind. Let's just pray. And say, by the grace, I like what the wife of the Salvation Army, see, William Booth, what was her first name? What was Miss Booth's first name? She had a first name, didn't she? Uh, her name was Miss Booth. And she said, the devil's not going to get my kids. I'm going to pray and hang on to the prayers of God's promises and pray regularly and faithfully and not let the devil get them. It's a good prayer to pray. And you let the devil take them down the wrong path forever. They may go astray. If you ever get a chance to read the story of the man in Brooklyn Tabernacle and the Tabernacle Choir there, in his, one of his books, he tells the story of his daughter that left and what happened. It's one, it's one of those kind of books that you'll cry halfway through it and, and see how it, it touched the emotions of the pastor and his wife and being a mother and the transition, what happened when the woman came back after several years. Amazing story. Matter of fact, that same Jim Simbala called Mark Lancaster. He got word his daughter left. He called him from the largest church probably in New York City. And they deal with all kinds of folks in that church. I'm not, he may be a little different stripe than we are, but he's a good man. He's got a good writer. If you ever get a hold of his uh, one's about fire, one's about the Spirit of God and so forth. But it's, he tells a story about his own daughter and how it broke his heart, but how God answered that prayer. So I simply say God is in the prayer answering business. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I make goals for my life every year. And then I, at the end of 2023, I mark off every one as I go along if they're answered. But I don't make a lot of vows. I don't make a lot of hasty vows and say, Lord, I swear to you, if you do this, I'll do that. And you end up swearing your life away if you're not careful. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and break it. But if you make it, just stay with it. I'm not saying it's wrong to make them but set some goals in life. And you set those goals. And when you read those goals daily, it reminds you to be trying to help reach that goal. God's not going to just do everything. 
He wants you to, it's not just going to be a miracle out of the blue. He wants you to pray. He wants you to live right. He wants you to take every opportunity you have. You can't win this person. Try to win somebody else to Jesus. He'll take note of that. Sometimes God works in unusual ways. His wonders to perform. So, the child of God opens up his heart to every room and the child of God comes to the closet possibly for a better relationship with him. When you enter into the secret place of the Most High, Brother Beckham talked about that, I think, while he was here, or Brother Lancaster, enter into the presence of God. A child wants to be close to, the, to his parents. That's a natural for them. They want to, they, they've done studies back, it was, mean, it was a terrible study, but they would have kids born and would let one of them be loved and caressed and taken care of and the other neglected and how the one over here turned out wrong and this one turned out right just by the caressing and the loving of a parent. And how cruel a test that would be to do it, but the fact is kids respond to love. They, they, they love you. They want, to be, they want your attention. Sometimes when they're mean, they just do it because they want attention. And all, somebody says you ought to have ten things for your kids that you say, nine of them are positive and one of them is negative. If it's always negative, then you run into problems. The Lord's not always negative with us. He's always encouraging us and trying to help us in life become better. You get the model of the Heavenly Father. Now, He chases those that He loveth. So there's sometimes negative has got to be there. But you don't spend your whole life just negative, fussing, 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 fussing. It's not going to cure a lot of things. Make you tired and wore out. But... Tell a quote a Bible verse. Let's quote a Bible verse. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Well, would Jesus? I wish I'd have done more of that in my own life. I wish my own parents would have done more than that. I'm not saying that critically. I, I, I look back and I see the good and the bad, and the good influence and the bad influence. Sometimes just learning how to memorize scripture in the home goes a long way. Putting scriptures up around the house where they can read scriptures. I remember when Andrew would come to live with us, he was nine months old. I went out, I don't know what's at now, we may not have it. I went to the bookstore and bought uh, a big plaque, the Ten Commandments, hung it over his bed. I bought him a football just to offset the other, the Ten Commandments and the football. A pretty good, pretty good deal there. But the fact is, everybody needs the influence of the Word of God. And sometimes they say, even when you're carrying a child in the womb, if you pat your stomach or if you talk to the baby or you have prayer with your child, and many women do that, while they're carrying a child, they probably pray more than the Father does because it's part of them and so close to them. So the intimate relationship, what is it being filled with the Holy Spirit? Get as close to God as you can. You say, what if I falter back? Lord, forgive me. If a man falls seven times, get back up again. Lord, I need you. I can't make it without you. Somebody says, don't God get tired? God says, come. Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just come. It's a favorite word. We use it for a theme this year, come. And how important it is to realize that God's not trying to push you away. I wouldn't push one of my children away as long as they keep coming, trying to help them. And they've got to live by my rules and do what I want them to do. But, if, but I still love them. And I want to have that relationship. But sometimes we don't because we're sinners. But with God, I'm glad He can forgive every sin that we have and make a difference in our life. He is Lord of our life. Not the, he's not only the representative of the Godhead, but He's now the chief executive. And by being the chief executive, He is the president. He's not only the resident. He's not only my Savior. He's sovereign God. He is Lord. And I'll close right here tonight. I'll get to point three next week, the Lord willing. But He's sovereign God. 
when you got saved, and I didn't realize this until later on, His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a threefold name. Now, we may not understand it and grasp it, but I do know the Lord means sovereign. The Lord means the one in control. He's the Lord of my life. He's the Lord of your life. And He's the Lord Jesus. Jesus is salvation. Salvation is of the Lord, but His name should be called Jesus. Christ is the anointed one of the Messiah. He's the long-awaited one. He is the one that's going to uh, rule one day. He's called the Messiah, the King of Kings, Lord, Lord of Lords, all weaves together. But the problem, the fact is, He is Lord of our life. I have failed Him so many times. I stand before you as a pastor that's transparent. I've never tried, don't try, maybe I have in the past, to try to impress you. I don't want to try to impress you. I am a sinner saved by grace, and so are you. You pray for your pastor, and I'll pray for you. Tommy and I were talking today, you know, or yesterday, whenever it was, seeing how he's doing, and he was telling me how he's feeling and so forth. And I said, I'm praying for you. He said, I'll pray for you, and you pray for me. And we pray for each other, and I'm grateful for that. Just pray for each other. Everybody needs prayer. Pastor called me a while ago. He said, Preacher, just called to have prayer with you. If it's all right, I said, Listen, I'll take all the prayers I can get. All I can get. And if you can't do anything, I'll remind you that I'm through. Uh, Harold McManus is in heaven. His, Miss Pat's still living, but Timothy was uh, one of their sons, oldest son. Little cotton top boy. And still, when you get around Timothy, he said, I never forgot the things I learned coming up in daddy's home, even though he's not living right. But he went so well with me and Harold, and uh, we had somebody get saved. And we were talking about it when we got through. Boy, aren't we glad we come by and this person got saved? And we was having a prayer of thanksgiving. And Timmy said, well, that's good, but if we weren't here, it wouldn't happen. And that's a good point. And he said, preacher, I pray for you every night in my house. Well, I said, wonderful. And then he started listing all the things he prayed for. I pray for daddy, I pray for mom, I pray for granddaddy, grandpa. And pray for uncle. He went down the list. I think he prayed for his dog, his cat, and everything else. And he said, and then I pray for you. And I said, son, I'm glad I'm on there. I may be on the very bottom of your list, but I'm glad I'm in there with the dogs and the cats. No matter where I'm at, if you're praying for me, I chalk it up to a blessing. So let's pray for each other in these last days. If we ever need to be cemented together, it's now. And don't go with all the fluff that's out there and all the thrills that sometimes folks think they're having. We need to stick together as a church family and stay by the grace of God. We're going to fight a good fight and keep the faith, finish the course, and work out through all the differences we have in life with the Lord, with the devil. And the devil needs to be kicked out of our life the best we can. And I can't do it, but my older brother can. That's the Lord Jesus. He can whoop up on him. And by the way, everywhere we go, we fight the devil. The Lord is with us. Did I not say he goes with us all the way? Where's, where's the Lord at? Right beside you, right in you. He can throw a good right punch. There's a verse of Scripture, I think, in Psalm somewhere that says, talks about, Lord, would you take care of my enemies? It's almost like, would you just give them a right, a right punch from time to time? I might not be able to do it, but you can. And the Lord fights your battles. The battle is the Lord's, right? We're talking about the Lord, sovereign King, sovereign God. The battle is the Lord's.